0: Good morning, good people. It's Good Show on SportsF59 of the Fan. I'm JD Bunkus. And it's the Friday. We did it. Baby, we done it! We made it to Friday. Of a lockdown. So whatever fancy bottle of wine you've been saving, that a Friday beer still hits. Even in a lockdown, a Friday beer still hits. For those of you with children, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but thank you for your service. Thank you for raising these kids and I guess also being their teachers right now. And I hope that if you're listening to this, you get a a moment of respite. Last night was not the most fun. It was fine. You see Austin Matthews gets taken off the ice early in the day. It's something where they go, okay, it's day to day. And you got to figure that this is in part because of extra 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 caution that's what i'm going to do right now that's the way that i'm going to play this right now is that it's extra 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 caution and that this is the way this team is going to be doing it down the stretch which is you need even a sniff of a rest a sniff of a break and you are going to be up in the press box you are going to be watching these games next to kyle dubas because these games don't matter and you see that with the effort level last night you saw that with mitch marner's response after the game last night mitch marner got embarrassed in that hockey game. Just zero effort. David Riddick is doing something I don't really understand. I guess he was going to play the puck and completely misses it. Ehlers scores a goal. Ice is the game. They ask Marner about it after the game, and he's just dismissive of it. He goes, you know, it happens. Except for he didn't say it. Word that rhymes with it. Word that I can't say that rhymes with it. You be the detectives. So, these guys just know. There's, what, 10, 11, 12 games left, and they just don't want to get hurt because they know they're on the best Maple Leafs team of the Stanley Cup era, and they know what the goal of this season is. And so it's really hard for me to freak out about these games. It's really hard for me to look at last night and say, well, this is a blah, blah, blah. I I just don't care. I don't have the energy for it. I would say there's a couple of things that I'm going to be monitoring out of this stuff, right? In a game where there's, again, no Matthews, no Nylander, Felino's in quarantine, that's three of, in my estimation, their best six forwards. I know that some of you hate Felino and think that he should be on the fourth line playing one minute a night, but they had Alex Kerfoot as their second-line center last night. How am I supposed to judge this team this way? They've played the Winnipeg Jets a hundred times. They know they're better than them. They know when they match up with their best versus their best and give a real effort, they're better. There's no fans to play for in the stands. There's no energy in these buildings. They're gassed. You got a team that's waiting for you in the Vancouver Canucks that you don't even know when you're going to play this game, if it's going to be Saturday, if it's going to be later in the year, who you're going to be facing, whether you're going to be traveling. It's just an annoyance. I'm not saying that these guys should complain. No, no. I'm not saying that these guys shouldn't try. Of course they should try. But I I can't get upset about a lot of the things that I normally would. And, And I just think the season has already been decided. The Leafs are the best regular season team in the North Division. I do not care if they finish down the standings. That is obvious, 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 obvious. The other stuff, we'll see. But basically everything else needs to get answered in the playoffs except for the following things. So here we go. Number one, obviously the power play. It's just it's hilarious at this point. You're all making the same joke. We should decline the power play. Yes, some variation of that joke. But it's getting to the point where, yes, yes, they should. I, I'm i a moron. A, a straight-up moron. And I, I have my theories like everybody else. I just don't understand the drop pass thing. Because they keep trying to do the same zone entry. They don't have Nylander. They don't have Matthews last night. But obviously, these problems have... They've been there since those guys have been here. And we've gone over this with Bourne at times where, hey, the power play has had top five moments. It's been fine. Over the course of a season, it ends up being better than you think it is. But it has gone through these stretches over the Matthews era where they just go to sleep, over the Tavares era where it goes to sleep. And there's never been a stretch like this where they just look awful. They look lost. It looks mental. They don't have a secondary strategy to the drop pass that just doesn't work. I don't think that they've got good blue liners for the power play, which is weird because they have Morgan Riley. I don't know what the solution is if you load up forwards. I kind of, when you watch Nick Robertson shoot, you go, well, is that the solution? Just have the kid with the cannon pipe them? Because he can uh, drill it. So, I care about the power play. They need to get that right. But again, my moron brain just says fix the drop passes. Maybe Felino, maybe once you get Felino and Hyman, you just start to chip and chase. Maybe when you get Kneelander back, he's the zone entry guy, and Marner's the zone entry guy, but for the most part, you just you gotta have a little bit more versatility on the zone entries. Again, I'm a moron. I'm sure that Manny Melhosha would look at me and say, Buddy, you're so stupid. Please shut up. There's so much more complicated than this. But that's just the, what I see right now over and over and over again. Is they can't gain the zone, and by the time they do, the power play is running out. I just think that's going to be huge. The second thing, before I get to Jeff Merrick, I'm, I'm going to get to Jeff in one second, that I care about is seeing Felino's impact. I'm starting to think he's going to have added importance just based on what we're seeing in these games because, again, they're they're lackadaisical efforts. I don't blame these guys because they've played the same teams a 100 times in front of no fans. They've gone through a billion quarantine tests and they know the pressures of this season all lie in the playoffs. They don't have anything else to prove. They've proven that they're a more versatile team. They're a more defensively responsible team. They've got top-end scoring, top-end talent, goaltending depth. Everything has been proven regular season-wise. There's nothing else to prove other than power play. So... You just have to find out whether or not those habits are going to translate to the playoffs. I think Nick Felino coming in, being someone who plays the way that he does, hard, four-checking guy, ton of energy every night, tough to play against, reminder of what the stakes are for this season, is going to be good to get the Leafs in that mindset down the stretch. I, I do not think those last seven, eight, nine games where he's in the lineup are going to look like the last three that we just saw. That's my hope, anyways, because I don't like watching the hockey we watched last night. Jeff Merrick, Hockey Central, NHL on Sportsnet, 31 Thoughts, hardest working man in the business. He joins me now. What's up, Jeff? How are we doing, buddy?
1: That is not true, first of all, but thank you for the lovely intro. Jorge Masvidal later, eh? Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's yeah. a great get. So you've, are, you've I, already uh, you already recorded it? Yeah, I already recorded it, and... I want to I'm gonna, some of it? What are the highlights? Yeah, some of the hits. Yeah. Check some I, boxes here. What do Here's, you here's what, the highlight. Here's, what what here's can we listen tees. to? Because I'm going to be tuning into this. I know here's the tease. Okay. So I taped
0: it. And when I taped it, I just said, hey, man, if this is a taped interview, so just speak normally.
2: Just <laughs> <How long> speak <laughs> freely. It?
0: We'll edit it. There's a lot of bleeps, okay? there's. I don't know if Holland took the put bleeps in or if he just did the complete cutout of the words, but there was a lot, and it got to the point where the PR guy jumped in and said, hey, we're going to wrap this up, and was like, yeah, that's probably a good call. <laughs> but you know what I love about it, Jeff? And, and I'm going to talk Seth. about this again right before the interview, is you can love or hate that guy, and you can think he's a uh, – absolute savage right just a like the way he's a fighter he's a cage fighter he's a prize you can think he's the coolest guy on the planet but Mm -hmm. he doesn't care he speaks freely and he lives kind of freely and there's really something admirable about that in 2021 getting to talk to somebody who just says what's on their mind and doesn't hold back and it was kind of shocking to have that interview go down and and i just i actually had this probably Ten to fifteen minute high once the interview was done of just oh right that's what it's like when someone lives kind of fearlessly so it was a, it was a badass interview and i I was thrilled to talk to him and I'm definitely rooting for him next Saturday
1: uh, I, I just hope it's an exciting fight we've seen Usman too. bore things up before I just hope this is an exciting fight I, I don't necessarily think that it will be. I love watching Masvidal fight. I've seen Usman fight so many times. We all have. I just know what can happen. You know what I mean? So a couple of things there. One, here's why I love uh, MMA. Here's why I love boxing. And here's what distinguishes them for me from the other sports. And that's why it shouldn't surprise us when, you know, you sit down and talk to someone like Masvidal and it just sounds raw. Combat sports are sports that exist without metaphor everything you say that you want to do is really what you want to do yeah you know when you hear a team like oh we're going to kill those guys well no you just kind of you know beat them within the the boundaries of the rules and then everyone's going to go home and if someone gets injured someone's going to say well we don't play so someone gets injured etc we've all heard the cliches before but in mma and in boxing These are sports that exist with no metaphors. Think about everything you've heard a fighter, and we'll hear Masvidal later on in your interview, and I'm sure he talks about this, all the things that he wants to do uh, to Usman. He means all of that. That is not metaphor. Like these guys are fascinating to me because they exist in worlds where metaphors don't exist. Everything they say they want to do is exactly what they want to do. I've never lived a day like that in my life. I'm assuming you haven't either, J.D. I've always wondered what it would be like to exist in a fighter's brain just for one day.
0: So I go back and forth on this all the time because I'm a prisoner of the moment. So whenever I'm watching... The Stanley Cup playoffs, I go, this is my favorite. The first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs is my favorite. Mm-hmm. When I'm watching the NBA finals, I go, no, this is my favorite. When mm-hmm. when I'm watching a playoff matchup between two NFL teams that hate each other that have played twice in the regular season, and then they get the third game in the playoffs, I go, no, this is this is my favorite. But really, the one I usually have the feel for the most, where I say, yes. wow, nothing beats this, yes. is mixed martial arts, is a big 100%. fight, because I, there's just a very, I, I think it's the purest form of competition. What I love the most about mixed martial arts and about the fight game in general is that anybody anywhere can do it i'm always i always struggle with this with hockey is how expensive it is right you look at a lot of the guys around the league and they're from means right and you can if you can afford to be a hockey player then you're a hockey player there's very very few stories like you know anthony stewart's right it's possible but it's hard and it's not exactly overly littered with that and I think sports are going to a place. It's funny. I was talking to Colby about this the other day when he he gave me a call about how every sport is getting a little bit more similar in the sense of everybody's training the same way. You know, you're getting guys where it's, okay, this hockey player is skating, skating, skating. And you all basically, once you're like 10, 11 years old, you're going to a lab and you're becoming the same hockey player. Everybody's looking for the same thing. Same with basketball. They are all going to... These same schools, these same prep schools, and AAU ball, and they're teaching you all these individual skills, and it's drills, 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 and not a lot of learning in the games. Everything yep. is like that, right? Sports is becoming these commodities where we're developing the same athlete in every game, and any type of variance from that is viewed as, well, we don't really like that. Mixed martial arts, you get guys where it's game-bred Masvidal. This guy started as a YouTube street fighter. Yep. That's where he began his career. He was a fighter in the streets. He fought Kimbo Slice's son on YouTube, and he rose the ranks to be fighting in a welterweight championship of the world. These guys come from all different sections of the globe. They all have completely different backgrounds. They all have the opportunity to master the same martial arts. It is fascinating. In this reality where you can't say what you want to say, you can't be exactly necessarily who you want to be, where their congruity is the is the name of the game, mixed martial mm-hmm. arts stands above it all. And so when people just say, oh, it's just face punching, oh, it's too violent for me, I'm like, okay, well, that's too bad because you're really missing out on something special.
1: Yeah, There's a couple of things there. One, uh one of the differences is in um non-combat sports athletes deal with the fear of failure yep. and in combat sports you deal with the fear of fear yeah and I think there's a real distinction there. And, you know, the, the presence of the referee to make sure that things don't really get out of hand. Like, I always want, I always wonder, like, what goes through your head? So Sean Pearson's a good buddy of mine. Sean fought, I think, six or seven times UFC welterweight division. Mm-hmm. So Sean's a, a buddy of mine. We work out together. We train together. Our kids play hockey together. And, like, he's got a wrestling background. You know, grew up in Pickering, was a real strong wrestler. Um, and I always say to him, like, we're working out, and he'll, like, want to spar, right? Like, JD, like... I've never come, he like, we'll do takedowns. And I'm like, GD, I've never come close once, like not even once to taking Pearson down. I always think, like, oh yeah, I can handle myself. I can train martial arts my whole life. No. Not even once. Like there's a whole no. sort of next level. Come on, yes. let's just, uh, we'll just do shoulders and knees, shoulders and knees. And I honestly, like not once have I come close, right? So, Jeff, did you ever
0: see Laroque and GSP? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> but that's what I mean. George is you think of him as yeah. this, the most dangerous guy. No. George LaRoc was no. terrifying, and he gets in an yes. octagon with GSP, and GSP is taking him down with the effort level of if you were wrestling with your kids, right? You know, you're, yeah. you're wrestling with Brody. You're wrestling with TJ. Like, that's yeah. the... The effort that you'd have to put in was GSP versus Laroc, and Laroc can't do a thing. And GSP no. is five foot ten, one hundred and eighty pounds to Laroque's, what six foot four, two forty, two fifty.
1: It's like watching like really, really train like one forty five fight. I remember watching BJ Penn roll with heavyweights, yeah. and I was like, "This is incredible." Mm-hmm. Like BJ Penn has been able is able to do with heavyweights. But the the point that I was trying to get at is, I always ask Sean, like, what I'm always curious, like, what happens in your brain when the door closes (laughs) like when like what happens in your head like there's one thing to be trained to fight just like it's one thing to be trained to compete baseball basketball football hockey tennis whatever what happens in your head when you hear that door close when it's just you and your opponent and a referee who's there essentially to maybe save your life Mm -hmm. and Pearson's always just shrugged it off. Oh, I don't think about it. Because I, I think you have to have that mentality that it doesn't like. But what, what goes through your head that, that, that the, the, the feeling of closing the door doesn't mean anything for you anymore? That's when you exist in the world with zero metaphors. I think that's, I think that's what happens. I, I, I'm with you. I, I think that MMA is a fascinating sport. And I'll tell you what. In another sense, I still maintain that in a world where you know women are 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 looking for you know le- legitimacy with their male counterparts and equal leagues and equal time and compensation etc i would make the argument that mma is the most progressive progressive sport because mma fans view female fighters the same way they view male fighters. They talk about the fights the same way. They discuss the athletes the same way. They pay money to watch them on pay-per-view the same way. As as many look at UFC and say, it's barbaric. In a lot of ways, honestly, JD, I see it as the most progressive sport out there. So do I.
0: Those are really great points, man. They they really are. And yeah, I just know that I, I look forward to Amanda Nunez fights as much oh, as I look forward to any killer else. and and, killer. and the thing is Although I can't pay for them if it's just her on the card anymore because I'm only paying for 30 seconds So it's like those ones, you know is a... <laughs> <It's>, Maybe <laughs> I don't pay I don't pay for it the same He's way But it's good. not because of gender but, It's because it's too dominant. That's all
1: But you, you know what the, to me the moment in the fight That's the most fascinating where I get that like the the goosebumps is that split uh-huh. second before they engage Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Tap gloves back to your corner, and there, and the, you come out to the middle. And there's that to, to me, this the, the, this is the moment in in all of sports that I am forever fascinated by. That split second before there's engagement or before something happens. Like I think the greatest photograph we that I've ever seen in hockey uh, is the Bill Burilloko shot in 1951, shot by the great Nat Tarasovski, the Tarovsky brothers, who shot you know hockey and and pro wrestling at Maple Leaf Gardens for years. The Barilco goal, like that, sh- the picture of it that we've all seen, uh, Jerry McNeil and Nett falling back, Rocket Richard with his with his mouth open. Oh my goodness, what's going to happen? You're like, it's a perfectly framed shot because, as you're watching the puck go in, you can see the crowd behind McNeil and no one standing up. It's that split second before the goal goes in and everything changes, and that's to me where where I where I love sports. Like, and I'll I'll take it to MMA. That moment before the first lockup. the the, the first touch between the two fighters. That, to me, is the most fascinating time in sports. The moment before something actually happens in sports, to me, is the most electric. I always love it, man. I,
0: I really do. Uh, just a feeling of a big fight night. So it so has not play. been electric. Well, I was going to say, that was, ah, I had a transition. I was so, I I had it. I had it. I was Jeff Merricking. I had a good transition, which is, yeah, the opposite of that is watching these hockey games down the stretch in the North Division. I'm sorry. I love the North Division. Yeah. I think it's been a revelation. I want them to keep it. Obviously, the version where the border is open and you play other teams. But I, you know, I had on, uh, oh, crap, I'm blanking. Um, I've done too many things in the last... Don LaGreca. I had him on yesterday who yep. hosts the Power Play in the States and big yep. Rangers guy. And we were talking yep. about how regional rivalries, that's hockey. And if hockey just embraces this, that this is the way to go. That's the advantage that they have over other sports. So I hope they keep the North Division. But it's done now. The season is done now. I don't know how these guys are going to look down the stretch. So this is going to be a two-part question for you. One is... Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you care to see other than the power play kind of find itself for this Leafs team? And two, is this going to be the beginning when we look back five years from now and say, you know, when hockey started to use load management like other sports, it was because of the pandemic. It was because of that season where everybody knew. And and this is how we found out. And it changed sports science in this sport forever.
1: Yeah. Uh, to the second part, I think we're going to see the Toronto Maple Leafs sitting players towards the end once they've secured. Yeah, if they secure, if they secure first place, like that's it. You start, you start resting guys. You have, So you think you that
0: matters to them? First place? You, you think that they're like, hey, we want that? Um, like more than resting guys.
1: Well, who would you? If you're the Toronto Maple Leafs, who would you rather amongst the group of you know Winnipeg, Edmonton, and Montreal? Who would you like Edmonton. to face in the first round?
0: You want they Edmonton over it. Montreal? I honestly, I think Montreal if they play can't Edmonton. score, bud. I know Montreal can't but score. I know, but Edmonton is just the far worse version of the Leafs. Like, uh, Toronto is not losing to Edmonton. That goaltending and that just lack of depth everywhere. Yeah, you know who I want to see in a series, Jeff, is, uh, TJ, uh, is is Tyson Berry. You know, like, I, hmm. I, I'd i like to see the team that plays Tyson Berry 20 minutes a night in the postseason the way that the right. Leafs had to do last year. That, that feels good yep. to me.
1: Okay, um, I mean, I'm always terrified of if I'm a, if I'm a hockey team playing a team sure. with Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. But but your 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 point's a good one. So, I think you want to put yourself in the best possible position. In my estimation, it's playing Montreal in the first round, mm-hmm. a team that can't score against a team like the Maple Leafs, where their top six mm-hmm. is the envy of just about every other team in the NHL outside of the Winnipeg Jets. Mm, I'll 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 take that matchup. Sure. Um, to the first to the first point, what do you care to see down the stretch for the Maple Leafs? Kind of what we saw yesterday, and that is, do you have the ability to grind out wins and grind out goals? Like the Maple Leafs have a real luxury here, um, and of course, you know these two players are out of the lineup last night, and that's Austin Matthews and William Nylander. But we've talked about you know the ability to have players that can score easy goals right they just score a goal out of nowhere bam and it's it. like that is a real luxury and you can feel everyone just oh, just relax a little bit into the game when you know you have players uh, that have the capability just you know with a flick of the wrist boom that's it and it's in last night was a game where it seemed like the maple leafs had to grind for everything and it's a lot closer to uh how you're going to have to play in the playoffs like if matthews is you know if someone's living in Matthews' hip pocket, and let's say they play you know, Montreal, and we've seen, you know, uh, Montreal put players on Austin Matthews and live in their hip pocket like that happens. Um, so if he's neutralized, Nealander's not there for the, the the playoffs, and and he's neutralized, and you have to be able to grind for goals. Who are those guys that do it? I think John Tavares is one of them, and no surprise that. He ends up scoring last night. So the ability to play a game where you don't have the luxury of an easy goal—that's what I want to see. Yeah. Plus, you want to see saves. Plus, you want to see saves.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. You. And you know what? Let me let me let me let me let me let me go at you a little bit on one thing because I know you didn't like the Marner comments last night. Oh, I I think I actually did like the Marner comments last night. About you didn't care about how he he didn't care about. uh, yeah, happen. no, I,
0: dude, Marner has been complete shut-down city when it comes to saying anything to the media since his contract, and well, that course, was yeah, maybe yeah. the most interesting quote he's had in two years, so I loved yeah, it. Yeah, I, like, I, I like that. When players when say things, I love it.
1: I I have a really hard time with the performative nature of sports. Like when you lose a game, like here's the performance you have to put on for everybody or else you'll be, you know, people will decide, you know, you're not really a competitor. Like if you don't wear the loss, if you dare smile in that dressing room, if you dare share a joke or, you know, just try to shrug it off. When really, you know, anyone involved in high-level sports will tell you the best athletes park losses to let them go. They're in the rearview mirror fast. You know, that's why whether it's, you know, you're on the baseball field, you make an error. What's the first thing you do? Take your hat off, inhale, exhale, and here we go, back into the game. You distract yourself, you do something else, and then you get back back into the game. Uh, Goaltenders, Holtby is the best example of this. You know, lets a goal in, goes for a skate, you know, grabs a water bottle, squirts the, the water up in the air, follows it up, follows it down, it hits the ice, and we're back. You focus on something else right away. So I don't mind it when athletes are like, oh, yeah, things happen, let's move on. That's the kind of athlete that I want. I don't want the guy that's. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be an actor here. I'm gonna put on this. I'm gonna do this little pretend show for everybody, so all the fans feel better that I'm really taking this loss poorly, just because the fans are. Mm, sorry. I want my. I want my athletes a little more even keel than that. I.
0: I completely agree. And I. You know what I just want is guys to be genuine. And this is a problem for hockey for forever. Is that. Guys don't feel as though they can step out of a space unless they're, you know, the Alex Ovechkins of the world. And yeah. that's it. Do you it. think it's
1: changing, you know, though? There's Does it feel like it's changing, A little changing, tiny though? bit, but Slowly, I think we overstate uh, yeah.
0: how much it is. I think, I think when we get, like, breadcrumbs, we act as though it's a feast. And
1: <laughs> that's it, <laughs> you know? It, it, it As the league continues to get younger and younger and more power is in the hands of, of sure. young athletes, I think that... I think that that's going to change like hockey is always the last i mean hockey is drag kicking and screaming into progress to begin with like we've known this forever and i think it's i think we're starting now to see the beginnings of this all changing and as it gets younger you're going to see more kids with person like we just did an interview on 31 with so. with ty smith man and that kid is so impressive like such yeah, an, you guys are it. also the hockey podcast. You know, it's so it's. No, but he's like this with it, everyone, though. Ties like okay. this with everyone. He's honestly, he's just like a real genuine. You know, open up. We'll talk about living with Jack Hughes and make a joke, and isn't shy. Like I think we're starting to see more athletes like that. More athletes That's like cool. that in hockey. Thankfully, thankfully.
0: Okay, so I have two other things for you, but since we're talking okay. about the younger athletes, I'm going to go to this one first before uh, I do the last one. You're okay. a guy who's deeply ingrained in prospects. I actually have a really funny prospect story for you um, off air uh, when this is done. I, I don't know <laughs> okay. how I feel about like revealing it. Yeah. Um, okay. You're, but you love junior hockey. It hasn't been there. Yep. You yep. love prospects and looking at who's going to impact a team and projecting who's going to be what right like the the yeah. potential of someone is still one of the most exciting things about sports and it's obviously something that you're very that you gravitate towards and the Leafs trade their first round pick right and we talked yep. a few basically a month ago. And he mm-hmm. said, hey, trades are not going to be done the same way this year because picks are not worth the same this year and neither are prospects because teams don't really know. And there was a lot of hand-wringing over that first-round pick that the Leafs gave up for Felino yep. because it's a rental. Yep. And we've become... Hockey fans have become smarter over the years, and as hockey fans have become smarter, it be- makes more sense to not trade first-round picks for rental players, right? I remember always specifically, it was weirdly a Keith-to-Chuck trade sticks out for me where it was like he went back and they gave up a first-round pick and everyone went, what? And it's it the St. Louis-Atlanta
1: deal? Is that the St. Louis-Atlanta right. deal? yeah. Yes,
0: okay. and every, but that one, for whatever reason, is the one that always sticks out in my brain when it comes to just bad rental trades where you give up a first-round pick for 20 games of somebody, and you're not quite there. To me, the Leafs were there, that they were the right team to do this, but if, if you could, this is going to be kind of a hard game to do. If the okay. Leafs have the 30th pick in the draft this year, let's just say, hypothetically, mm-hmm. they have the 30th pick in the draft, what do you mm-hmm. think the 30th pick in the draft is worth this year compared to other years?
1: Whew, this is the year we don't know. Like, there's two schools of thought. There's there's two schools of thought on this. And depending on the day, the hour, the minute, the second you catch me, I'll give you a different answer. Like, if I'm on the show in an hour, I'll probably give you a different answer than I'm going to give you right now, J.D. So Good. the two theories are... Do this later on
0: Hockey Central, please.
1: You can do it in flip-flop. Flop.
0: Just give the complete opposite. To, be <laughs> like, I was talking to JD, and he said this stupid thing, and I'm, I'm about to I'm about to bury it.
1: <laughs> so the schools of thought are this. One, it's a jump all year where we really don't know we don't have contacts for a lot of these guys competing against one another, so the best thing you can do in, the, in a draft like that is get yourself as many lottery tickets as possible. So do what Columbus is doing. Load up on picks specifically in the first round, because we don't really know. It's going to be the most it has been the most challenging year to scout. So that's one theory. The other theory is, we don't know how good these kids are going to be. This is a lot of the development year that's missed out. So you can make the argument that this draft class is not going to be as strong as we might have thought it would have been had everybody been competing going back to September, playing all the international tournaments outside of the World Juniors. Um, you know, they, they, they'd probably, their development would have been uh, a lot more along the, uh, along their path. So whatever you feel about, uh, however you feel about Owen Power, however you feel about Luke Hughes, however you feel about Brant Clark, take it with a grain of salt and maybe consider these prospects in a lower key, like consider them in a minor key for all the musicians in the audience and just say... It's not going to be a great draft year because these kids haven't been able to develop as we thought they should. So your picks don't matter as much as they normally would have. Take your pick to that, JD. I don't know which theory is right.
0: Hmm. I'm going to go with it's not as valuable because if. Because I just can't imagine with less data that you can have as successful of a hit rate. You might get lucky, but this is the other part that that's drives me crazy. That's just it. It's luck. It
1: comes to- that's it. But yeah, you just right. hit on. It. You just hit on it, and that's why sure. I idea of get as many lottery tickets as possible. Because yeah. who knows? The guy that's drafted 16th overall this year yeah. might be the best player in the draft. Right.
0: Okay. I and I, and I and I hear that and I like it and I love this in theory. The thing that drives me nuts about people fretting or hand-wringing over losing picks is you can trade for picks again. The Leafs didn't have a pick last year either. Guess what they did? They traded a guy and got a pick. And if there's someone that's sitting there in the draft and they're desperate to get them, they're going to have pieces in order to do that. So if they really feel as though there's a lottery ticket sitting there and they go, man, our, our scouts are bananas over this guy and we think that this can be a superstar and wow he's fallen to 30th then you might be able to capitalize on a team the miami dolphins just did something in football that i think is fascinating where so they traded down from the third pick in the draft they traded down to 12 and then once they traded to 12 they traded back up to six and everyone went what are they doing They traded to six because this is a draft in which people think that there are four quarterbacks, and if one of them falls to the sixth spot, they feel as though they're in the catbird seat come the NFL draft to trade out of that spot. They already have a young quarterback, right, to try to capitalize on a desperate team that's going to be willing to give them more assets. That's the kind of high-level thinking I want my franchise to have going into a draft, which is how are we going to jump in, how are we going to jump out? And so the idea that just because they traded their first means they can't have a pick to me is lunacy. But, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you covered all those bases. Okay, so last one. Last one for me. Okay. Teams are copying Tampa, right? Toronto's done it with Felino. Mm-hmm. They've done it with the veteran ads. They did it with trying to get tougher. Dubas has said it. He said it when they had the exit from the playoffs last year. We want to be tougher to play against. And everyone that comes on references, well, Tampa got their Coleman, and Toronto wanted to get theirs too. What do you think the next thing is teams copy?
1: Wow, that is a great question. Um, First of all, I'll I'll, I'll preface that by saying this is nothing new, um, specifically in the Sally Cap era. 2006, Carolina wins the Stanley Cup, and all of a sudden foot speed is the most important thing in the game. The Anaheim Ducks win the Stanley Cup the next year, and everybody wants to have nuclear deterrence on their bench. So this is very much whatever worked last year, uh, do that Penguins again win.
0: you don't need a blue line all of a sudden you just right uh, you just how about yeah, of
1: course. how about you know Chicago and Philadelphia go to the final in 2010 all of a sudden GM say uh we're st- we're not paying goaltenders anymore you know look at the two goalies in this series we need like you, you contracts don't need a, yeah you don't need a you don't need a you don't need a goalie to win a, a Stanley Cup I I still think that I don't know that there's going to be one sort of next thing that everybody Follows. I mean, the idea of loading up your third line and having that be the determining factor. I mean, brooke did that in 2007 with the Ducks. I mean, mm-hmm. Sammy that Sammy Paulson line with uh, with niedermeyer and Moen. All-time I would have. I look. I, I, I would have given Sammy Paulson the Conn Trophy. You know, I know niedermeyer was great, but man, Sammy Paulson was ridiculous. So th- this is really completely nothing shut new. Shut Ottawa down uh, co- completely. I get the, the Sammy Paulson was fantastic. The whole line was great. um I think that this league is still trending towards where, how the Maple Leafs are, are creating their, their teams, and that is when in doubt, go with skill. And even if you can improve, uh, like, take like third line left wing or fourth line right wing, if you have the ability to improve with skill, even the slightest, like 5% JD, you do it no matter what. I think that, and I think that's what the Maple Leafs under Dubas... Has always done at every turn. And I think, you know, if you're paying attention, you look around, all the smart teams are doing that. So I can just see that continuing until it hits. And then everyone says, well, obviously, dummy, that's the model you should be following. Just like we all looked at Tampa and said, well, obviously, dummies, that's what we should have done all along. It's not that obvious. I know it's not. It's not that you know obvious. what? It, 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 different, put, it, put it this way. There's no one right formula. Yeah. There's, there's not. As much as people will tell not. you that there is and you need toughness. Well, you need toughness until you don't. You need goaltending until you don't. You need defense until you don't. You know what you need? You need a skilled team. You need health. And you need mm-hmm. luck. There's the formula. Love it.
0: Jeff, Hockey How's Central that? today. It was great. Hey, man. Great. Before that,
1: I want to hear Mosfidal. I'm,
0: I'm promised some bleeps. Eleven thirty-five. Jorge Masvidal.
1: What's the over/under? Did you did you count the beeps? What's the over/under on beeps? What should we be looking forward oh, to here?
0: Mm, it's a fifteen-minute interview. I was gonna say Ooh, I'm nice. gonna set
1: the over/under at fourteen and a half. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay, fourteen. And half. I'll take the over just because I love Masvidal. Yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah, disappoint me, good. Jorge. <laughs> I know. It was, but listen, he won't. Game
0: Red will not disappoint you. I promise that much. Jeff Merrick, Hockey Central, 31 Thoughts, NHL and Sportsnet. Thanks for doing
1: this today, buddy. Always great Thanks. to chat. Yeah, always good catching up. Thanks, J.D. Be well. See you, buddy.
0: Steady Stewie. It's a good show on Sportsnet 5.9 of the fan. I'm J.D. Bunkus. Leafs been a little sketchy lately. I'm still riding hot. Anthony Stewart, Steady Stewie, Hockey Central, NHL, and Sportsnet. Man who is famous for bringing back the multicolored pen joins me now. Sup, bro?
2: Good. I'm happy that I'm famous for something. But uh, yeah, I gave that as a little gift uh, for Tim yeah. on his new show, Tim and Friends. So I actually gave him the uh, the blue and white one, but I gave him the uh, limited edition black one that's uh they call it's that limited. the corporate uh, edition too so gifts uh you, you play your cards right uh, you may get one in the mail as well
0: i was gonna say Lay, you're quite the star chaser huh how many times have you done this show a billion and where's my where's my limited edition pens oh i guess I, I, it kind of hurts kind of stings you know
2: kind of hurts to know where i stand yeah, I, are we here to talk pens or talk uh billions of T-Rex is walking on the earth uh, at one time.
0: <laughs> I'm dead serious. I have this on my lineup for you, number 1 topic.
2: <laughs> I, I had a jo- I had a punchline for that, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop it. But I'll drop it anyways. I was just gonna say what was more likely that there were billions of T Rexes roaming the earth, or you're actually five ten. So that was that was the joke. Oh. I won't drop it. Uh, this is the pre-interview interview, right? <laughs> oh man, it sucks so
0: hard that I have to fight you this way. You know, because I'm gonna get murdered. You know what? Because here's what you're famous for: that video of you in the French Fight League, just murdering the quote-unquote tough guy of the league, one of my favorite YouTube videos of all time, uh, famous for the pens, and now famous for murdering me in cold blood because I have to fight, you have to defend my honor. This is one of those situations where you know you see in the movies where the guy's like trembling with the sword, and the hero's like, don't do it, man. He's like, but I have to because I'm just a goon, and then you finish me. You're the hero in this scenario, but I have to defend my honor.
2: Yeah, I but uh, have... the pen's in the mail. I'll be sure to get you a pen. Don't worry. I, yeah. I, I order them by the dozen, so I have a lot laying around. I'll yeah, sure I, I want
0: the pen. You. Well, especially now that you've insulted me in this way, that I'm Actually, five ten, rude, rude, rude. (laughs) I'm doing online dating now too, so you know the fact that I have to put the five ten down. It's a fact. But I, I, I will break out the measuring tape. All right, that's how defensive I will get over this. Um, So yeah, the T Rex thing. I wrote down on my lineup. You need to talk to me about the two point five billion T Rex thing. There's just no way, right? Whoever, I didn't even look past the headline. But whoever the scientist is, whoever the archaeologist is, that's right, right? Fire them. 2.5 2.5 billion? Wouldn't we be fine? You'd be going to school, you'd be tripping over T-Rex bones constantly. Like, wouldn't everyone have a T-Rex fossil in their house? It makes no sense to me.
2: <laughs> yeah, it'd be like Fred Flintstone having a T-Rex uh, right. bone suit, but... So I I, I dipped into the article, or I actually read the comments on Twitter, so I guess it wasn't at one time. There was only 25,000 at any given time, but I guess the collection of years and millions and millions and billions of years, um, there were billions of T-Rexes. But again, where are the bones? They evaporate? What happened? I want to know. Where are the bones? Where are the bones? Yeah.
0: Isn't it? <laughs> where are the bones? That's what we need to hold that archaeologist underneath a bright light, like a couple of cops flash it in his face and ask him where the, where the, freaking bones are, man. Tell us where the bones are. You know how cool we'd have T. Rex bones? That would be the coolest thing ever. I have some skulls in my office. I have a grizzly bear skull. It's badass. It's a badass skull. It's real. You know what I don't have? Anything T. Rex. I got nothing T-Rex. I would love a T-Rex thing. So show me the bones. Yeah, 2.5 billion overall makes a lot more sense. 2.5 billion at once. I was like, wait. So it was just T-Rex wars all the time. Now I need a time machine <laughs> to just watch T-Rexes scrap it out 24/7 imagine in that, the old world. Imagine them on the
2: 401 in traffic. Imagine yeah. all those oh, yeah. on T-Rexes oh, on yeah. traffic on the 401.
0: 2.5, <laughs> 2.5 billion. Man, who's even doing this stuff? I, I, I like dinosaurs. They're kind of cool. I'm not George St. Pierre about it where it's like my life obsession. But who are these guys that are still just like, don't we know all we need to know about T-Rexes? They were big. They, they're dead. They were cool. We got some bones. End of story. Let's move on. It Next seems thing.
2: the more research that they do, the less, yeah. less scary they were. I'm hearing they purred like cats. I'm hearing they had feathers. No. Yeah. No, I wanna, I want. When I picture T Rex, I picture the T Rex in a Jurassic Park, yes. knocking over. That's the it. Deep. So that's, that's what I want to keep that vision. So let's no more research. They were big. Right. They were scary. They ran yep. very fast, of course, as well.
0: Hey, if one of my <laughs> followers or one of your followers. Is a huge T-Rex slash dinosaur guy. If you're an archaeologist, you do. You explain to me why we're still researching T-Rexes and what we what we're gonna glean from this knowledge. What the, who this is for? Uh, like, yeah. we got it. We watched Jurassic Park. Everybody got it. Don't create them in a lab. Things could go wrong. Got it. Check. 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 Other than that, I think we've maxed out T-Rex content for the day. So, can why is the power play so hard to fix, dude? Because the zone entries look bad. And that's obviously a problem. Clearly these guys are in their heads, but this is getting like really, really weird. This is, this is getting into, okay, this isn't just a cold streak anymore. This is now becoming a problem.
2: Yeah. And I think they're just victims of their own high level skill. And, and typically with the power play, the Cardinal rule is that the power play has to outwork the penalty kill. And that just has not been the case. And there's been a lot of one and done plays and, Um, I I think the top power plays in in the league, what they do is they actually get the box shifting. They get the players moving in and out of position, but it just seems go back and watch the tape on a lot of the Leafs power plays, the penalty kill, they're just staying stagnant. They're just waiting for them to make a mistake. And another thing is, um, a lot of the top power plays, they 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 call the term "going downhill," where it seems like they're just coming from the top, going down to the bottom, and, and just making plays. But with this Toronto power play, it, it's a lot of seam plays. It's a lot of cross seam, trying to get those backdoor tap ins. But with this personnel, you y- you can't do that. You know, you got a great shot in in Matthews. You got to find a way to to weaponize that. You got net front presences as in Wayne Simmons and Hyman. I think Hyman's been great. I think he should be a permanent uh, state there, you got uh, Tavares, who can be a high tip option. So you got to find a way to play to your strengths. So um, I think the pressure's on them right now, but they got to get back to the basics. And I would start off by saying, hey, you know what? Every power play, we want to have five shots on net. So find a way to get five shots in net every single power play and swing your way out of this because that was a winnable game last night. You know, your the, the game is is within reach, and you have a, a five on three basically for two minutes. You put two game two goals up there. That game is basically out of reach for the Winnipeg Jets. So that's what I'm worried about. In the playoffs, the power play is supposed to get you momentum or keep you momentum but not lose you momentum like it's been doing for the Leafs uh, in their current 2-for-47 uh, slump that they're in.
0: Yeah, that's what's driving me crazy about it right now is that they just look flat in the power play and it really does seem to kill the momentum on the bench. I, I think Felino is actually going to help I, I do, because I, I just think it's going to be a fresh body. It's going to be someone who's not attached to any of this weird history when he shows up. But you shouldn't need Nick Felino, someone who's not a, a goal scorer anymore. He's got good hands. Be strong in front of the net. Maybe get in on the forecheck, but it's going to happen. By the way, I laughed in the middle of you talking because I read on the text line. Some guy just wrote in, it's called oil, boys. <laughs> I, just, I don't really know what that means or what that has Fossil to do with dinosaurs. Yes. Yeah, I It's called oil, boys. I'm like, all right. Just, end of the meeting. Hey, it oh, yeah. concluded. All right. More dinosaur <laughs> research. It's called oil, boys. Great contribution. Also, they're called paleontologists, not uh, archaeologists archaeologists dig up all bones, I guess. Paleontologists is the straight-up dinosaur uh, people. So it's called Oil Boys. That's the na- new name of the show. It's called Oil Boys. Um, yeah, I, I think it's killing momentum. It's driving me nuts. I just want to see some of the stuff that you're seeing. I, I, and I keep every power play. I go, okay, now this is the time. This, this is it. They're going to figure it out. They're going to do it. But I want to get back to the Felino thing because it's been a hobby horse of mine. Because I'm a staunch defender of this being the right move for the team. I don't even know why it's that big of a debate. I certainly don't know why the price of acquisition is in in conversation. It's either Hall or him, and fine, if you're on the Hall camp, that's okay. But one of the reasons why I'm even more bullish on it now is watching last night's game. And I know they didn't have Matthews, they didn't have Nylander, and they've played the Jets a million times, but... What do you think Foligno is going to do just for down the stretch, where this team doesn't want to have bad habits build up, right, where they're kind of having these lackadaisical efforts, they're not playing super hard, that maybe a guy like Felino, this is my theory, you tell me if it's a correct one or if it's a fair one, that someone like that coming in who's going to be after a quarantine who plays the way that he does, which is hard, which is hitting people and getting in on the forecheck And getting in front of the net and battling and playing tough and being excited to fit in with a new team, that that's actually going to kind of keep a lot of those Leafs players in check and have them realize, oh, okay, while these regular season games don't really matter too much for the standings, it's just going to be a bit of a a shot in the arm, a a spro for the Dan Riccio fans out there that the team's going to kind of need down a, a sleepy and difficult stretch drive where there's no fans and there's no stakes.
2: Yeah, and I'm still waiting for my Spro T-shirt from Riccio, so hopefully it's in the mail. I but, yeah, I-, I think he's one of those guys that keeps his teammates accountable. And as you get down the stretch of the- later on in the season into the playoffs, you're not going to be scoring goals off the rush and off the fly. It's going to be going into the net, going to the net, getting those second, third opportunities, coming out of the corner, jam plays. And he's a perfect guy that, that can do that. And I think he's another guy in a game like last night when you're down uh, a-, a couple goals. You know, he can throw a big hit to change the tie of the game. Or, you know what, he's not afraid to drop the gloves. We heard Kevin to talk about him. He is sneaky, undercover, like really, really tough, where guys will have to think twice and third times about uh, deciding to fight him. So he's another guy, complimentary piece, but the, uh, let's not kid ourselves. This team is going to go as far as Hyman. Sorry, not Hyman. Yeah, him too. Why not? Marner, uh, Tavares, Nylander, and Matthews takes them. That's, those guys are going to be the drivers, and they need to be on their A game. But when the game is tough and you're looking around the dressing room, who's going to really step up? It's guys like... Uh, Foligno that really drags the team into the fight and that's what it is you don't need another goal scorer to come in and put up big big points they have that with this roster they need those gritty guys those truculent guys that get to the net and that's what wins playoff series so that's where I think he was one of the best acquisitions because I think he's the best uh, player available to do that role for this team
0: I think so too I'm so excited to see him in a Leafs uniform. I just think it's going to be a seamless fit. I can't even wait for the Amazon series when they show what it does. Like, his joining the Leafs and what he's going to mean to that room and how those is guys are going to
2: walk that. in. like? like is it going to be like the Y2J yeah. countdown when it finally uh, yeah. gets to zero 100%. when he comes in and- Yes. <laughs> dude, that would be amazing. Don't overhype it. He's going to come in. Yeah. He's going to drop his bag. He's going to put on his gear. Guys are going to have a quick round of applause, and they're going to go to work. That's yeah. what it's going to be. Yes. Gonna- <laughs> good. You know what, though, dude? Good. But that's the point is that this is my yeah.
0: whole thing against the Taylor Hall situation was that Duba said it. He said all Nick Felino needs to do when he gets here is be Nick Felino. And with mm-hmm. Taylor Hall, when you were trading for him, it wasn't it wasn't be Taylor Hall, because that was two goals. He had two goals this year and he was on a crappy Sabres team and he was playing with no life. And so it just, it's just—it's so much easier for a guy to come in here and essentially have no stress, knowing that he is a leader, that he's going to fit in with these guys, he's going to play the game that he's always played, and that it's what the team needs and the, what they're asking for him. Like, it's perfect. I love this, love, love, love this trade. You brought me to something though. Two things. One, people love where are the bones, and I want maybe <laughs> we get into the where are the bones <laughs> merchandise. We fight this. Where are the bones is, 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 the, is the branding <laughs> that we didn't know that we needed. But two. Is Okay, I know you're never going to divulge. I know you're never going to divulge, but i got to ask because I've been meaning to text this to you, and I keep not texting it to you. Is Wayne Simmons healthy? How, how's his hand? Because this is someone who I, I'm a big fan of, and I'm a big fan because you know he wants to cave people's faces in, and he plays a mean game, and it hasn't been the same since he's been back.
2: Well, I'm looking at this now even through the Vancouver's perspective. If you miss, like I remember coming back as a player after a weekend off, and when I'm telling you I was gassed, I was in half-decent shape. Guys were gassed, and it took them two, three days to get back up to normal. I could not imagine being out six weeks or three weeks, not being on the ice at all, and getting thrown into now this Um, you know era of hockey it takes time and I think with Simmons his timing's a little bit off with some of his passing he had a couple open looks to make passes to guys going back door and uh, you know he was firing the puck yesterday a little bit better too but let's not forget why they brought him in here they brought him in here to you know get in on the forecheck turn some pucks over he's been doing that as of late too and stand in front of that net especially on the power plays so um, I I think if that power play was clicking right now instead of that two of 47 if they were 13-14 I could easily see Wayne you know having three or four of those too, but going into the playoffs I think is where he's really going to earn his ticket because you know he's going to put all those injuries aside. Let's not forget what he went through with the Philadelphia Flyers, groin, hip, shoulder problems where he should have been not even playing. So he's a warrior type guy where I think you're going to notice what he brings in the playoffs. But um, I I think with him now, people are questioning him because he was playing at such a high level before his injury where they expect that, but it takes time. And, and, And from a former player's perspective, I could not imagine. And I remember in Russia, when they gave us three days off, we would have to go take a three-hour bus and have a training camp, a three-day training camp to get back into shape. That's how serious they took it. So it takes time, but um, I think you're really going to see his value in the playoffs.
0: Because the the wild thing right now is counting the amount of bodies this team has and who's in and who's out. Because yeah. when Felino comes back and Nylander comes back, I, I don't think – Robertson has done enough to grab a spot, but I know Galchenyuk's not coming out now. Like, Galchenyuk, who I thought was here to be temporary, and then he comes out of the lineup, and who knows, but nah, not anymore. Galchenyuk is here to stay. He's playing well. He looks good. He's got some chemistry. He can play up the lineup. I think maybe he can play down the lineup. Who knows what he ends up doing. Some guys are going to get rest days, but it feels like there's actually competition in the bottom six for spots that are not Guys that are not named, Jason Spezza. I'm going to say Alex Galchenyuk because I'm going to be putting Nick Foligno in my top six just for the sake of this discussion, not necessarily that he ends up there. Mm -hmm. And Ilya Mikheyev. Mm -hmm. I would say that those are the only three guys where I would say it's a lock that they're playing. Do you agree or... Is there another guy that's a lock? You're yeah, probably going to say Kerfoot. I, put
2: Kerfoot. I put Kerfoot in there yeah. too. And I don't know if the did. flack that he gets. I, I like what he brings. He brings that I He know. brings that energy every single shift. Yeah, he gets bumped off some pucks, but he makes some plays. He's, he's a player, and I'd like to see him get a little bit more ice too. And I, I think you're right. But at the same time, I, I use this line. I don't think Joe Thornton came off the tractor in St. Thomas to sit in the stands. And um, I think they're going to give him every opportunity. Same thing with Simmons. So I think I could see Galchenyuk being the odd man out to start uh, just from a respect factor. And I think they've done a good job with the respect factor this year with Thornton and and riding with Bogosian and Simmons as well too. So I think I could see, um, you know, that being the lineup with Galchenyuk out with Engvall and Robertson. But let's remember now there's still 12 more games. There's probably going to be injuries. There's going to be guys not feeling well. So um, I can honestly see guys getting in by default, getting that opportunity by default. But uh, let's not discount the, the the level of play Thornton was playing at and, and Simmons and and uh, you know Kerfoot were at the beginning of the year. So I, I think they'll. Ride those guys until they prove that they don't belong and again they struggle some guys have struggled the last five six seven games uh but Mm -hmm. again let's not forget this team is in first place so all systems are still a go Mm -hmm.
0: totally and it's what i was saying off the top which is nothing matters and i don't want to have people moaning about the leafs losing games right now or if they don't finish first like they're the best team in the north and it's obvious and you're right kerfoot's in the kerfoot's in the bottom six i should have included him and he's he's one of those four guys. I don't agree with you on Simmons and Thornton though. I don't know if respect factor is going to matter for a team that's all in this season. Like if they lose game one and it's there's a conversation about secondary scoring and those guys don't play well and it just I don't think you can afford to do that. You're giving up first round. Picks, you put them you're... in that
2: Columbus series. You put them in that Columbus series last yep. year. Do they win that series? Mm, I don't know, man. Maybe uh, Simmons, blocker white. I, I say yeah. <laughs> yeah. I say yeah.
0: I just to me it's just. Maybe I like, I'll say maybe like Clifford was one of their best guys. So is he out? Is he in? There's a couple of just different questions I would have, but I, I'm going to check this up. I'm chalking
2: this up to the, the syndrome. I'm just going to chalk it up. You're just, you're looking at it now. You're putting the Capitan goggles on. You're like, Oh, I got to find something. No, no,
0: No, I'm not. I love this team. I really do. No, dude. (laughs) I think, so I think Simmons is in, I think Joe is out. Yeah. And and if they, yeah. and if I don't they, think Jumbo's
2: out. I don't think Jumbo's out.
0: <laughs> if they take Jumbo, if they leave him in, so that they can't play Galchenyuk, I'm gonna be choked. I I don't want to see Engvall. Every time I watch Engvall play, I go, I don't, I just, I understand it less and less. Like I don't understand. But the one thing thing. you're going
2: to see after three games, after three games in the playoffs, some guys are going to disappear because that's just the natural way that the the playoffs are a different beast. And you need these veteran guys that have been playoff tested, have had big playoff series. So you need that veteran presence. There's some guys, yeah, you know what? They look great. Game one to yep. 60. Go do the Carfax on that. Guys, game one sixty, one yep. one to 60, and 60 to 80, and look at their production. It's a different beast where, you know, I was on pace one year for 60 points, and I had one point uh, my last 20 games. It, it's tough. Yeah. It's a totally different beast, and the playoffs is a different level as well, too. So I think you need those guys that have been there that know what it takes, especially because there's so much on the line right now. So obviously, you have to go with your best players and who's playing. Uh, but I, I could see those guys raising their level of play the last five, six games and making sure that they do whatever it takes to stay in the lineup
0: again Simmons will be there because there's functions to his game I just don't know what Uh Thornton is bringing right now and savvy said it if he's so great in the room leave him there and that's yeah. the situation that i think you have with that guy and it's no shame to the to him like he's 42 years old he's one of the greatest hundred players who ever laced him up he's incredible his impact on this franchise has already been clear like i said it i think Everyone the room matters. Everyone were
2: saying the same about Corey yeah. perry last year in the playoffs before the playoffs um, oh he's finished five goals he's done no but he could one of the move. unsung heroes for dallas going to the finals
0: I know, but, Joe, like, Thornton can't move. And so I, I just, it, like, he Did truly Did you see Corey looks,
2: Perry? He's got the cement yeah. backpack on, the piano backpack yeah. on permanently. That's what he does. Corey do do? Perry still gets in front of the net and bangs Puck's home. And I played against Jumbo and the simplicity in his game. And, again, you yeah. put him in a skill session, he would be like, ah, I don't know, I don't know. But you put him in the game, his angles, the, the simplicity to yeah. his game, getting to the Fine. net. Three or four are going to go off his beard in, in the playoffs. I'll tell you that.
0: All I know is that it can't be at Galchenyuk's expense. Not anymore. Galchenyuk, unless he goes through and plays like crap the next two weeks, and you're right, if this stretch of let's count this as the last 20 of the season right before playoffs, these last 12 games or 11 games, whatever they got left, then fine. But if he plays the way that he's playing, then honestly, I don't know how you justify even bumping him down the line. Yeah, that's
2: fair. That's fair. But I I could see him just based on my knowledge of who he is and what type of player he is. yeah, that's fair. But, uh, don't I'm with be, you on that. Don't be complaining where everyone's going to be saying, where's your bones when Jumbo sees you somewhere <laughs> and then buries you somewhere on one of his nature walks and he goes on with the boys. <laughs> <laughs> where are the bones?
0: That's a, you better be asking those JD's questions bones? when I go away, alright? I need you to be on the case, man. I need you on the case. Detective Stewie, please get it done. Uh, this was good, bud. This was great. I got to run. I got a interview. Uh, I got a taped interview that's running this length with uh, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, which is a, a really, really good one. Um, I'm to play that next and close the show but thanks for doing this bud and yeah send me my pen right. and let's get on the show All right. where are the perfect bones? go jays go yeah see see you dude anthony stewart hockey central nhl and Sportsnet. um paleontologist enthusiast both of us are but seriously where are the bones where are the bones